Hi, this is Mike Young, estate planning and the probate attorney in Walnut Creek, California. And I'm going to describe what a probate is and how to start one. Uh, but before I do that, I want to wish everyone good health and I pray that we all stay safe. And I'd like to let you know that I put Zoom workshops on twice a month, the second and fourth Thursdays at 10 a.m. And in the Zoom workshops, I talk about beginning estate planning, advanced estate planning, um, asset protection, Medi-Cal qualification, and the workshops, I make them interactive so that you can ask questions, and I think they're kind of fun. At least I do. So in any event, go on my website, walnutscreekelderlaw.com, and uh, sign up for one of the workshops, and um, I'll put a, a link below so that you can also sign up. So hit the subscribe button and the bell below so that you'll get notice of uh, future videos I prepare. Also, when you do that, you will get seven years of good luck. Also, hit the like button, and uh, you can make a nice comment below if you would like to. <laughs> so let's talk about probate. So probate is a court procedure wherein the court confirms and legalizes transfer of title and ownership from the decedent, the dead person, to beneficiaries. So I always use the example of a home because in my mind it's uh, the easiest example. So let's say that Mary Smith owns a home and title on the home says Mary Smith, a single woman. And let's say Mary Smith has a daughter, Barbie. Now, Mary Smith could have gone to an attorney. The attorney would have created a, an estate plan uh, with a trust, a revocable living trust, and Mary could have transferred title to her trust, and we could have avoided a probate and a court situation. So title would have passed from Mary, a single woman, to Mary as trustee uh, of the Mary Smith Revocable Living Trust and the trust would have named uh, Barbie, uh, Mary's only daughter, as the beneficiary of the trust. So now when Mary dies, we don't have to go to court, and by operation of the terms of the revocable living trust, title will pass to Barbie. So Barbie, let's say Barbie was named as trustee of the trust, she will step up as or successor trustee, she will step up as trustee after Mary dies, and ultimately uh, Barbie as trustee, successor trustee, will create a deed from herself as Mary's successor trustee under the revocable living trust to herself, Barbie, and we record that. And then I would uh, file a Prop 58 petition uh, with the counter, county assessor requesting that the property not be reconveyed under Prop 13. So we've done all of this. We've transferred Mary's home without going to court through the revocable living trust to uh, Barbie, Mary's daughter. Now let's say Mary died without having transferred title to her revocable living trust. 
and let's say let's say Mary had a will, and Mary says in the will that I want my only child, Barbie, to have all of my assets when I die, including my home. So now we have a will, and we have a named beneficiary, but in order to get title legally from the decedent Mary to Mary's daughter, Barbie, we have to go to court, probate court. So we filed the will with the court. So the fact that um, Mary had a will means she died testate. Testate means dying with a will, and we know who she wanted uh, the home to go to, Barbie, because it says so in the will. Now let's say that Mary died without a will. That means she died intestate. But we still need we still need to go to court to get the property legally transferred from Mary to Barbie. So in either way, uh, we, it's called lodging the will. We lodge the will with the court, and we start with the first document with the court, the petition uh, to start the probate. And in the petition, we name uh, who the beneficiary is, who the decedent is, what the date of death was, uh, what all the assets are. For instance, we'll list this home and any other assets that need to be probated that Mary had, maybe a bank account, uh, uh, whatever it is. But I always concentrate on the home as an example. So then we file the petition. Uh, we request a hearing uh, so that we can name Barbie as the executor under the will of the administrator without a will to handle the estate. So we make the petition. We tell the court why we want uh, Barbie named. And we have a court hearing. And we have several court hearings all through the course of the probate. Probates will take eight months to two years. Uh, usually, usually they take about a year uh, from beginning to end. And uh, probates are public, by the way. So anybody can look at the file. So you can go online and see what uh, documents have been filed. You can go to the courthouse and request to look at the file. So that, that's a huge difference between uh, using a revocable living trust-based estate plan and just having the will. So revocable living trust is private. Uh, it's controlled by the family with the attorney helping. Probates are public. Anybody can see it. So we filed the petition. Uh, we've asked for Barbie to be named as the executor or administrator. Uh, we request uh, that Barbie be given powers under the Independent Administration of the States Act so that it makes it easier for Barbie to transact business as we go along on behalf of the estate. So now we have the estate of Mary Smith. So if you go online for the courthouse to look at the case, it will be the estate of Mary Smith. So now we proceed, and uh, the court tells us that we have to publish in a newspaper uh, to anyone, creditors in essence, who could have a claim against the estate. So if Mary Smith ran up bills that she never paid, uh, the court says that we publish to bring those people out, creditors, 
who would file a claim uh, in the probate court. In the meantime, Barbie looks for creditors. Uh, she looks at the bills that uh, have stacked up at Murray's house, maybe, and uh, we have to deal, she has to deal with those creditors. In the meantime, Mary has to uh, preserve the house. Um, she can't waste it, so to speak. She has to make sure that it's taken care of. And as for her benefit, she's gonna be the beneficiary of the home. So we publish, uh, we mail to people entitled to receive notice uh, who are the beneficiaries and the heirs at law. And we can talk more about heirs at law at another time who they are. For instance, if Barbie had children, they would be heirs at law. They would be entitled to notice of all of the transactions. Um, the court may require Barbie to file a bond. And I would tell the court that we don't need a bond. You know, I'm Barbie's attorney. Uh, it isn't necessary. Then we prepare an inventory and appraisal. And I spoke about this in another video concerning uh, probate fees. So this, this is another form. This is one of many forms that we file with the probate court. The inventory and appraisal is going to list the real property and other assets. So Mary Smith's home will be identified in the inventory and appraisal address, assessor's parcel number, and we attach the legal description and then in the meantime, the court has appointed a referee, uh, which is the court's name for an appraiser. And so this referee is going to appraise uh, the property and come up with the fair market value of the home, Mary Smith's home, as of the time of Mary Smith's death. So, and then this is going to help establish uh, not only the value of the property, but with the probate fees, and the executor fees are going to be. And I'll, I'll link to my video that I made about uh, how to calculate uh, probate fees and executor fees. So probate fees uh, for the attorney and for the executor are set by and established by statute. That's why they're called statutory fees. It's set forth under the probate code. So a fair market value of a home of a million dollars is going to uh, create a probate uh, attorney fee of about $23,000 and the same amount would go to the executor for a $500,000 home. Uh, the fee would be thirteen, approximately $13,000 for the attorney and $13,000 for the executor. In this case, uh, Barbie is the beneficiary, so she is going to waive the executor fee. So then we proceed, uh, uh, creditors will file claims with the court, Barbie will pay off creditors, maybe we'll have a fight with creditors. Uh, Barbie uh, makes sure uh, debts are paid off. Uh, we ultimately file an accounting with the court, uh, an accounting showing what the value of the assets were as of the time of death, uh, what monies were transferred, what monies were spent during the course of the probate, um, anybody that had to be paid during the course of the probate or listed, and the amounts are shown that are paid out. 
uh, amounts paid to creditors are shown uh, and the amounts that we paid out. Then we give notice to uh, parties about a final hearing. I'm, I'm kind of shortening this whole process, uh, but we, we request a hearing date from the judge. So we've filed all these documents over the course of a year. Barbie has garnered all the assets, as they call it. We've had uh, all the assets appraised by the probate referee in the court. Uh, Barbie has taken care of the house. She has paid the creditors. We've reported back uh, to the court. Creditors have filed their documents stating that they've been properly uh, paid. And then we make a final petition to the court. And in that petition, we request an order from the court stating that the home is hereby transferred from the estate of Mary Smith to Mary Smith's daughter, Barbie Smith. So this whole process has probably taken about a year and ultimately we get a court order. Transferring property from the estate of Mary Smith to Barbie Smith. Then we get a certified copy of the court order and we record that with the county recorder and uh, we prepare a Prop 58 form requesting that the assessor not reassess the property. And uh, now we, ha we have on the record a transfer of title from Mary to Mary's daughter, Barbie, by way of a court order. So now let's say at some point in time, Barbie wants to sell the home and she finds a buyer. Now in California, and I think everywhere else in the United States, you cannot transfer title without involving a title insurance company uh, that will insure the title. So the title insurance company is going to research the title. Uh, they're gonna see that um, Mary Smith was the last vested owner in the property some years ago. Uh, they'll see that she passed away uh, they'll see the court order. You know, they'll look for regularity with the court order. They'll look at the court file to, to make sure notices were given properly and that they have a proper court order, etc. And then the title insurance company can insure through to a new buyer. If Mary had uh, transferred title to a revocable living trust and the deed uh, the chain of title on the record showed Mary Smith as an owner, then Mary Smith transferring to Mary Smith as a trustee under the Mary Smith Revocable Living Trust. Then we show on the record affidavit death of trustee Mary, confirmation of successor trustee Barbie. We record that and then we record the deed uh, from Barbie to herself as trustee. So we've spread all that out on the record now, and we've done all that without having to go to court. So now Barbie wants to sell, let's say Barbie wants to sell the property at some point in time. She finds a buyer. Again, we need the title insurance company involved and uh, the process now is much easier. Uh, basically, they'll look at the documents of record. Maybe they'll want to see a certification of the trust, but that process is much 
simpler. So when Mary died and had the will or did not have a will, that triggered her probate. If she had a will, she died testate. If she did not have a will, she died intestate. In any event, we need a probate court proceeding to legally transfer title of that home to the daughter, to Mary's daughter, Barbie. Uh, we have an elongated court process uh, involving a lot of people. I mean, the court, the probate referee, uh, the clerks in the court, and a whole series of documents that we filed with the court, a whole very technical procedure that the court has. And the court has, I call them technicians, <laughs> but they're uh, probate paralegals who scrutinize every document that you file with the court. I mean, talk about dotting I's and crossing T's. Take my word for it. If you don't do a document precisely correctly, if there's one thing missing, if there's one thing they don't like, they shoot it back to you, uh, thereby elongating the process. So that's why you need somebody experienced uh, like myself to help you <laughs> if you're interested. So in any event, thank you so much for watching my video. And I would like to see you at my workshops. So click the link below uh, to get on one of my Zoom workshops. They're a lot of fun. And uh, feel free to go to my, my website, walnutcreekelderlaw.com and you'll find uh, more information on these subjects. And you can also sign up for my workshops there. So stay safe and thank you for watching. Goodbye.